Hello and welcome back to Nomads You and I. Tonight we're going to talk about our hike up Mesa Verde. Yes, Mesa Verde National Park mm-hmm. in southern Colorado. It's, man, a great location because on the way there, if you're coming from like the north, you could go through Moab, All and right. arches and canyon lands. Mm. And then it's only a couple hours further out to Mesa Verde, one of the great national parks. It's really all about Indian cliff dwellings. Mm-hmm. I think there are over 600 and some archaeological sites. And there are basically two massive cliff dwellings. Okay. A cliff Palace and Balcony House. All right. We did Cliff Palace. And just a heads up, you just can't walk through there right. on your own. Right. You make a reservation, right? You make a reservation. And I think they open up reservations on kind of a rolling 14-day. Like, if you know you're going to be there within 14 days and, you know, grab your spot. Okay. And I think they have a couple of different times. And it was, it was really cool because... You get a vantage point of looking down on it, and then you get to walk. You don't get to walk among all the ruins, but you get to walk like right in front mm-hmm. of the ruins and very near the ruins. Yes, you can touch the faces of the ruins, right? But they discourage you from. <laughs> That's right. Touching anything, and you cannot take a rock, which is kind of my thing. I like to pick up a souvenir, but it's a very, very protected place, and people mm-hmm. are very attached to it. And so, yeah, we had a great tour guide. And a lot of climbing up ladders involved, yes? Yeah, and uh, sturdy ladders. Now, the one in Balcony House that we did not do, it's my understanding the ladders are a lot taller. Mm. And at some point, you got to crawl through like some sort of hole Mm. that's like only like two feet by two feet or something like that. Oh, that sounds fun. You're you're squishing through it. (laughs) We'll have to do that next time through. It's always nice to leave a little territory. And there are a number of hikes in the park that you can kind of go down in, I guess, maybe you might say some of the ravines that were there. Yeah. And also there's kind of a loop that you can drive and a number of places, pull outs that you can pull out And walk to, I mean, there were all sorts Mm -hmm. of ruins all over the place. You really could probably spend, what do you think, three days or just, you think if you got there at at sunrise, I don't know what the hours are, but Mm. seemed like you'd have enough hiking that you could do all day, one day or two or three more leisurely days. Hikes there. And there was the one spot, which I think is the tallest spot in the park where we parked the van and and we watched the sunset. Mm -hmm. And there is actually a fire lookout. Uh, I think it's still functioning Mm -hmm. up there. Something that some of our listeners are going to want to go check out sometime. So let's Mark jump into our scripture hike. And we are going to finish up the last few verses of James chapter one beginning in verse 22 and there it says but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror for once he has looked at himself and gone away he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was but one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. 
If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. All right, Mark verses 22 through 27. What did we talk about last podcast that leads us up to these thoughts tonight? Well, the fact is that when you're tempted, that's not from God. That's your own lust. That every perfect and good gift from God, verse 17. Yeah. And including among the gifts is that through God's word, you read it and take it seriously. That enables you to be born again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You believe it. You're convicted. You repent of your sins. You confess Christ. You're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then it kind of gives us this verse 19 of, you know, be quick to hear, yeah, but be slow to speak and be slow to the wrath because man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. It, it, it's not productive. Mm-hmm. In verse 21 to these Christians, it says, okay, once you're a Christian, you still have some things to work on. Yeah. So he talks about putting away all that remains of the darkness in your life mm-hmm. and to receive with humility. Yeah. You need to learn and let God be God and God's word has all this wisdom, receive it, and it can save your soul. Mm -hmm. Verse 22, though, starts with a but, and that's kind of an interesting thing that should catch our attention. It can be tempting to think that, oh, I love hearing that. Mm -hmm. I love hearing that. Yes. I could listen to that all day long. Yes. Okay, but that's not going to do you any good Uh unless you implement it. And I'm really impressed here that These verses are not addressed to unbelievers that would have no interest in hearing God's word. I mean, that's a problem. These verses, though, are addressed to Christians that could easily fall in the trap of, that was a good sermon. Ooh, I love to hear the Bible. I love to hear the Bible read. I love to study the Bible. But James says, okay, but are you doing it? Are you doing it? Yeah, so many souls know it. And like you said, enjoy listening to it. But fewer souls love the word enough to live it out and really to hear it is but the first step right and that first step can kind of trick us into feeling like we are moving in the right direction but until we actually make those changes necessary to purify ourselves we're only kidding ourselves about having already won his favor before we've even taken any action so a little bit reminds me of when i was running it's so much easier mark to read about running than it is to run and i think a lot of things are like that including what we're talking about tonight, which is not just learning about what to do, but actually putting it all into practice. Yeah, the most important doing there is. He says, prove yourselves. That is, it's not that you do it now and then, Mm. or that you do a portion of it, but it places an emphasis on this is what you've become. This is your lifestyle. Yeah. You're practicing it. This kind of is what defines you. Who are you? Mm-hmm. I am a doer of the word. Mm-hmm. And the tense, of course, is a continuous tense. So I love the idea here that Christianity was never meant to be merely a theory mm. or something mm-hmm. that just exercise yourself mentally. Yeah. And it's not just, do you believe that God exists? Good, you're done. You know, it's not about that. It's about doing what God says. And mark this phrase, 
that says, um, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Isn't that the easiest thing in the world to delude yourself? I mean, we need to be honest with everyone, but that all starts with being honest with ourselves. We need to tell ourselves the truth as much as we need to tell others the truth. So God's not going to miraculously protect the believer from believing what is false or from some sort of self-deceptions. Right. But if we are being honest with ourselves, you know, because a lot of truth is hard to take, like it's very demanding and it's going to take a lot of sacrifice to comply with it. And there's a tendency initially to be like, this can't be saying that, you know, I need to do this hard thing or that hard thing. But yeah, we're here to purify ourselves and overcome our weaknesses. So Let's resist that temptation to delude ourselves into thinking that God does not mean what he says. Mm -hmm. All right. Verse 23 then says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. What do you think? I love the word anyone there. This can happen to anyone. True. You never reach a level of spirituality that allows you to transcend your need to obey what God said. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so God right here is doing all he can to help us see the point when it says he is like. Okay. Your natural face is the, it's the face you're born with. All right. It's the face you got. It's yes. your physical appearance. Notice also that the contrast here is not between just a hasty glance mm-hmm. in a mirror and a more studied look. Because mm-hmm. the word looks here, look here, or looks, is to mean to consider attentively. So yes. someone that actually really takes a look at themselves in the mirror. And that's why you look at yourself in the mirror is so that you can do something about what you see to be the truth in the mirror, right? Yeah. And so I think you're someone that actually has read the text, has looked into the Bible, and maybe just loves to read it and study it. It's very stimulating intellectually. Yeah. And there's people who love the Bible as literature, as archaeology, Mm -hmm. history, poetry, Mm -hmm. philosophy, or just mental stimulation, but there's a difference between that and the person who loves it as a lifestyle. Yes, or who loves it as something that will reflect who they really are, flaws and all. So the person looks in the mirror, and then he walks away, and the text says he has immediately forgotten yeah what he looked like what he needs to work on or what kind of person he was what he has between his teeth mm-hmm. <laughs> like do something about what is unsightly in your character mm-hmm. you know it's you can do better that's why we look in the word of god hey where can i do better looks like the key then is starts in verse 25 where it says but the one who looks intently So rather than briefly or sporadically or without much meditation, we want to be intent with the way that we handle the word of God. Mark, that's going to take some time. It's going to really take, I think for me, especially the age I am, I'm going to need silence. I'm going to need to have time that's without distraction to really look intently into the law. Mark, I might take a few minutes here, if it's okay, to talk about what I do to intently look into the perfect law of liberty. So I think that's a good 
practical thing for our <laughs> listeners. Thank you. So what I love to do, I love to go into, say I'm going to study the book of Romans. So I love to go and just copy and paste the entire book of Romans. And I, I do use the New American Standard Version. I copy and paste it into my own Google Doc. And I only have the verse numbers. I leave out all these little side letters and such. Anything else that's distracting. So just the verse numbers in the text. So I copy and paste that into a Google Doc. Then I highlight the whole thing and turn the font red. And I have my favorite font. You know how visual I am, Mark. I have my favorite font. It's all red now. It's all about the font. (laughs) So then I go through and I highlight five things. Because I believe the word of God is all about number one. This is what I do in yellow, who God is, every quality of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I highlight in yellow. I highlight in light orange everything that God does, any of the Godhead, really. All of that is in light orange. Then I highlight in green everything that people do or are told to do to obtain the favor of God. And in contrast to that, I highlight in red, which is really light pink, so I can see my words, everything that people told not to do that loses the favor of God. And then finally, I highlight the blessings we obtain in blue. And so those are my five highlight colors. Then I take the time mark to go back to the first verse of the first chapter, and I put a black bracket. And that's mark where I put all my cross references. I really just stop and just crawl through the text. I think about cross references of things that would clarify what this verse means, or I think about examples in the scriptures that I have read. And so I might add those Bible verses. I respond in praise, if that's what's appropriate. It's my own commentary, but really it's more of a devotional level one where I might express thanksgiving and that kind of thing as well. So most of all, what I add is applications. And so the truth is, that's exactly what I'm using. As you and I are walking through these podcasts, I am using those commentaries, that those studies that I've done in the past. That was like a little commercial break. So this is my practice of what I do in order to look intently, as verse 25 says, into the perfect law of liberty. Mm, Sounds like a true interactive Bible study. I love it. I love it. And sometimes I pause and pray about something. You know, it's like I read it, I pause, I pray. I read it more, I pause, I pray. And so that's also a very interactive way to intently look into the perfect law of liberty. So commercial break is done. Uh, Where did we leave off, Marky Marks? We are in verse 25. It's interesting here that the Holy Spirit takes a little bit of time and says, okay, we talked about being doers of the word. We're talking God's word. But let's throw a couple other words in there yeah. to clarify God's word. Let's throw the word perfect, mm-hmm. which means having reached to its end, finished, wanting in nothing, complete. And so the word of God, the New Testament, is a perfect or complete revelation. It's all truth, as Jesus promised, John 16, 13. Mm-hmm. But then it says it's a law. This is helpful because this means that the gospel, the word of God, the New Testament— or the law of Christ, Mm -hmm. clearly has rules. Yes, Um, boundaries. And it's the perfect law because it's the final revelation of God to mankind. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, or Uh Jude 3. And so it's the final covenant or dispensation. It is the fulfillment of the Mosaic law. It is for all men. And so we need to be careful. Sometimes you're running to people that will say, oh, 
The New Testament's all grace, no rules. Mm, no. No. Nope. Wrong answer. <laughs> Wrong answer. Yes, it's just as perfect as that old covenant that the Hebrew people or the Jewish people lived under in the old covenant, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, yeah, this perfect law of liberty, the new covenant. Um, has everything we need, which really Mark kind of hints at that reality that we see in other verses that really we have no reason to add to or take away from this law, that there would not be latter day revelations. It's, it's already complete. perfect. It's yeah. already complete. And so what are your thoughts on the reason why it's called the law of liberty? That's a good question. For many people, it sounds like a contradiction. How could a law be liberty because i think in the minds of many people true liberty or freedom would mean the complete absence of rules the reason that we're able to head out of the house and make it to service in 20 minutes right right is because for the most part the vast majority of people out on the highway yes people stop at a red light and they go on a green light and etc and they follow the rules of the road but if everyone out there was just doing their own thing mm. It would be gridlock. You would not be able to get anywhere. Mm. And that's maybe one of those areas where, oh, law does give freedom. Absolutely. Great, great analogy. And so, among other things, it frees you from sin. Okay. Yes. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Yes. It does free you from the old law. Yes. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It frees you from prejudice, superstition, and the fear of death, worry, anxiety, stress. Most importantly, it frees you from your sins. Yes, within the boundaries of God's laws is complete and joyous living. But you have to abide in it. Yeah, and that would be like you don't like pick and choose and you don't come up with your own rules. So mm -hmm. abiding in it would be would simply be another way of saying be a doer of the word. Yeah, yeah, a loyalty that supersedes our own natural preferences and Mark, not just for like a decade or two, but as long as he gives us breath, <laughs> that's how long we have to abide in this perfect law of liberty. It says, not having become a forgetful here. Notice the word become there. Mm, having become. So there's like a process. Yeah, is that you could lapse mm. into that. Yes. And so don't start the practice of you listen to it, but then you forget it. Yes. Through carelessness. We can become a person who fails to apply mm -hmm. what God said. It really is kind of our natural tendency unless we actually set our heart otherwise. You know, forgetfulness is a human quality that's easy to fall into. I, when you look at a verse like this, this is very intentional, isn't it? Yeah. He says, but an effectual mm. doer. Yeah. Some translations say an active doer. Another one in ET says one who lives it out. And you just don't like slip into that. You just don't back into that or yep. et cetera. It's that, very intentional. That's intentional. That That's something that you aim at, you set your heart on. And then, and, and here's the thing, God never promises blessings to the disobedient. Mm. I don't find any blessings promised to people that do not obey God. Mm -hmm. Yes, it says there, this man will be blessed in what he does. That sounds a lot like Matthew 7, where Jesus gives that illustration of, he says, you know who the wise man is? Mm. The wise man is the one who hears these teachings, the teachings of mine, and acts upon them. And so I think this is very similar to that. The blessing comes to those who, well, what did Jesus say in Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, 
Blessed are they who hear the word of God and mm, keep it. Keep it. Yes. Only in him can we be blessed and fruitful, truly. For, you know, remember in John fifteen five, he says, uh, we cannot bear fruit apart from him. And I think it's very important to note that Jesus and James do not make fun of people who say obedience necessary. And they, they don't seem to be calling them legalists either, Mark. No, or Pharisees. And that's one of the great misconceptions. People somehow got this idea, well, the Pharisees got into trouble because they followed the, the Bible too closely. You read the Gospels and it's like, that is not why they Absolutely got into trouble. Absolutely not. They got into trouble because they ignored God's teachings mm-hmm. and because they made up their own rules. The ironic thing about that accusation, Mark, is sometimes I've heard it, especially over the fact that Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, that it's pharisaical to believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. But isn't it so ironic that verse that says that the Pharisees rejected God's purpose for themselves, having not been baptized by John? Yeah, yeah, is that the Pharisees were the ones who rejected they baptism. They were anti-baptism, so that's you're pharisaical. Right. In, in Luke <laughs> chapter 7, it says they rejected God's purpose for themselves. Yes, so it is pharisaical to reject baptism for the reasons that God says he wanted baptism to exist. I'm very thankful for it because it really does mark with clear distinction the moment that you're born again. It is, yes. There's no doubt about, I was lost at this point. I went down into the water. I was immersed. I came up say very very clear line there which is in contrast to one's journey of faith it's such a gradual process very very few people can say that you know 30 seconds ago i had no faith and at this moment i do Mm -hmm. generally it's a process of growth from our toddlerhood up so yes but baptism is definitely a moment in time where you can mark that you were born again all right so if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless notice the word thinks himself Mm. it's like he feels Mm. um, Mm -hmm. and you you can talk yourself uh, into things yeah well well, you can you can feel very spiritual Mm -hmm. and not be spiritual and so i think that's one reason why there's a number of places in Scripture that we're warned about following our heart, mm-hmm. and we're warned about following feelings, mm-hmm. like in Proverbs sixteen twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So, just because one claims to be oh, a very spiritual person, God says, no. There's more of an objective test mm-hmm. of what a spiritual person looks like than feelings. Yes, and the thing marked that to me that can be tricky is that one way that you can think yourself religious is maybe you are practicing some of the things that would please God, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there, I think there's a lot of people that instead of determining that they want to please God in all respects, that they latch on to the few things that they enjoy about Christianity and living the Christian life. And so they're able to then think themselves religious, but they are, for example, (laughs) the rest of that verse, and yet does not bridle his tongue. Right. And bridle would mean to hold in check, to restrain. And obviously, it's a general problem among mankind is that Satan can really use the tongue to destroy lives. That's for sure. Matthew fifteen eighteen through 20 says, The things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. 
These are what defile a man, unquote. So we need to make sure that we don't fall in the trap of, oh yeah, I'm spiritual, I'm right with God, at the same time, gossiping, lying, making Mm -hmm. false accusations, Mm -hmm. spreading rumors, hurting a spouse or children with your angry words, or just profanity. Yeah. Or saying things that are not biblically true. That is lying about the Bible and lying about God. Yeah. Right. So he's deceiving his own heart, it says. I guess one deception that one could say to oneself is, hey, God sees all the religious things I'm doing. And besides, who can tame the tongue, you know? Like, oh, it's it's too hard. Who can do that? I love that last statement you said because it's so many people will say something like, well, you got to swear now and then. Yeah. There's just kind of low standard of, Mm -hmm. well, everyone lies and everyone misrepresents things. And the Holy Spirit says, no, Mm -hmm. the godly man doesn't do that. Here's the thing that strikes me also in this section. The word religion, you know, there's a number of people out there like, um, well, I'm not into organized religion or there's a lot of people out there. Well, I don't talk about religion or politics. Yes, it's a super unpopular thing right now. It's interesting that the word religion here is an appropriate word because it does talk about pure and undefiled religion. There you go. So there is a worthless religion. Yes, for okay. sure. Lots of worthless religions, yes. Mark. Or things that can make our service to God completely worthless. Right. But there is also a true and undefiled mm-hmm. religion. Mm-hmm. So word religion is not necessarily a bad word. The real question is, do you have the real thing or not? Yeah, and one of those ways of testing that is, how are you controlling the words that are coming out of your mouth? And Jesus warns, Mark, in Matthew twelve thirty six that we will give an account for every careless word that we speak. And this is why we must ask God to set a guard over our lips, like Psalms 141 talks about. And so Jesus noted the same thing in the book of Matthew chapter 15, mm-hmm. is if we add tradition rules mm-hmm. to the faith, we have made our worship vain. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. What is vain is worthless. Mm-hmm. But then we transition into 27. Yeah. So the last verse says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We're not pristine, but the path is clear. Yes. I love that it says, in the sight of our God and Father, because, Mark, he alone is qualified to define religion. Like, he's he's the one. So it's really in his sight. That's what we need to aim for. Well, and I think that you need to pick up the Bible and kind of find out what does he want Mm -hmm. instead of like, well, here's what I think he would like, or this is what makes me feel good or spiritual. It's like, okay, but he's God. You're not. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably told us what he already would like Mm -hmm. and what the rules are. So I have a question here. So is this the only expression of pure religion? Is this the extent? Are there other elements of pure and underfiled religion in addition to visiting widows and orphans in their distress and keeping oneself unstained by the world? Yes, because that keeping yourself unstained by the world is quite a big category. That is a huge category. That would include like watching what you say, watching what you watch. Yeah, not preaching false doctrine. I mean, it yes. encompasses basically everything God has said. So Not falling into materialism, but it is a great question because I think the rest of the book, certainly in the other books, add things like, okay, 
but you also need to meet with God's people. You need to partake of the Lord's Supper. You need to sing with your heart, mm-hmm. etc. There's more involved. These are important elements, but not the only elements. But I think you make a good point that really everything, all of the examples that you just gave are all ways that we would be keeping ourselves unstained by the world. I think that's a good application or a good way to put it because Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. Mm-hmm. So among other things, when I respect how God wants to be worshiped, I'm not being conformed to this world. Right. And you're keeping yourself unstained by the world when you worship God in the way he's asked. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's then zone into this example then of pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Yeah. To visit means to look upon. To, to care for. Yes, to it's visit a lot. Someone. <laughs> it's a lot more than popping in to say hello. Yes, yes. and it's in a present tense mm. as well. Tending to the needs of. And pretty much demands personal contact yes, with the world's sorrows. Yes, it does. And it's interesting, in the Old Testament, God often stressed caring for the fatherless and the widows, these two groups, mm-hmm. because pretty much they're the most vulnerable yeah. groups yep. in any society. And you might say how we take care of the most vulnerable really says a lot about us as a people. Everything about us. In most cases, they cannot offer you a reward. Yeah. You know, that is, there's really no like, okay, I'm going to help the widow and the orphan, but versus I'm going to help somebody rich and hopefully they're mm. going to pay me back, mm, right? Right. These would be two groups of people that really cannot pay you back. Yes, yes. This will be help that is going to flow one direction, at least for a while. I'm impressed too. He talks about keeping yourself. Mm, right? Keeping yourself unstained by the world. Yes. Yeah, that it, it's not like the Holy Spirit just going to oh, keep I see you what from you mean. the world yeah. by force. And not only that, but you can actually you can actually do this. You do not have to. You don't have to become stained by the world. That's not an inevitable sort of thing. True, but at the same time, we would also agree that preventing the dirtying of our thoughts, I mean, we have to curate what we put before our eyes and ears with like expert skill, allowing what will keep us unstained by the world. I mean, especially in this day and age, Mark, how do you even, such a small percentage of it is not tainted with darkness, such a small percentage. You're right. A lot of it's corrupt. The good news is I'm not sure if there's ever been more good Content. Content out there written by articulate people. Yeah, just be so, so selective, you know. Find resources that really do tell you what you're going to be expecting in any kind of book or movie or podcast or any media whatsoever. Yes, I'm impressed that this is doable. It is very doable. You're just going to have to be picky, like a curator that is working at an, in an art exhibit, and they are going to choose one out of a million. <laughs> and as we travel, we have seen what probably about almost every congregation we visited, someone is adopting mm-hmm. orphans. Yes, or, or being a foster so beautiful, and we love helping the organization Sacred Selections. Yes. Right, they offset the cost of adoption because it is a very, very expensive endeavor. And so for members of the Church of Christ, 
they offer grants for people. And we run into elderships and preachers and Christians in general that I think are making a good attempt to present sermons, present class material, studies, etc., to help God's people remain unstained by the world. Mm-hmm. I think one of the great places that you can see the influence of Christianity maybe played out is mm-hmm. take a look at the cultures that have rejected God in the Bible and what you'll find in those cultures you will not find the adoptions going on. You mm. will find just kids put in institutions. You mm. would just find them warehoused. Mm-hmm. It is America with that foundation, that biblical foundation. It is America and Americans that even go to foreign countries yes. and seek to adopt children that have just ended up in these horrible institutions. Mm-hmm. And right there, that should tell you there's something wrong with the foundation of that country. Yeah. And there's something right with the foundation of the other one. You know, when you look at this section, this is very individual in nature. Yes. I know there are things that you can support, but something is going on here more than just writing a $10 check mm-hmm. for something. Okay. Yeah. This is not something that was meant to be done just by proxy, yes. but rather your own personal involvement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there in the world that are needing love mark and so a lot of orphans a lot of widows and others that are in need of kindness and just a reminder the world is a better place when we're a doer of the word ah, yes. and if being a doer of god's word makes the world a better place mm-hmm. that would be today's reason it's the truth absolutely well thank you thank you mark for this beautiful walk through the very end of james chapter one and thank you all of our listeners for joining us for this scripture hike with the nomads god bless